In addition to dog-eared, I have a show called Health Power. Now, I've been in health media for 24 years, radio, TV, and podcasts. And I really care about not just what I put in my body, but what I put on my body. So I am absolutely in love with One Earth Body Care. Now, I extend that to my pets. I'm very careful about what I feed them, and I'm very careful about what I put on them. So I was so excited to find out that One Earth Body Care also has pet shampoo bars, which are phenomenal. They're gentle with organic oatmeal the Sioux skin, their neutral pH matches your pet skin pH, last 20 plus washes for large dogs, and they're scented with pet-friendly essential oils. They also have a skin fix for pets, organic coconut, sunflower, and jojoba oils. It has calendula, which stimulates healing. It's great for hot spots, itchy patches, and their nose and paws. It's edible ingredients, safe to lick, and it's available with lavender, oil, or unscented. So I highly recommend you go to oneearthbodycare.com, click on pets, and get these for your pets. And while you're there, you can get wonderful things for your hair, your face, and body, and more. Again, oneearthbodycare.com. Does your dog do? Well, answering this question is a fantastic Dr. Marty Goldstein. We're going to be talking about his books and especially The Spirit of Animal Healing, an integrative medicine guide to a higher state of well-being. This is a must-read book. I absolutely loved it. Dr. Marty Goldstein earned his DVM from Cornell University in 1973. He was certified by the International Veterinary Acupuncture Society in 1977 and was one of the founding members of the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. Over the last almost four decades, Dr. Marty has given seminars on alternative therapies nationwide and has appeared on numerous regional and national radio and television programs, including The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Martha Show, and Good Morning America. He is also the author of The Nature of Animal Healing, first published in 1999. And today he's here to talk about the spirit of animal healing. For six years, he hosted his own weekly program, Ask Martha's Vet with Dr. Marty on Martha Stewart's Sirius XM satellite radio before the network was canceled. Dr. Goldstein, does your dog do... Does she pick up her toy that squeaks so loud in her way of communicating and talking? I mean, it is amazing. If you can see it, that's her. Her name is Tilly. She's beautiful. Yeah, she is beautiful. My wife saw her on uh, one of the adoption sites when she was like eight weeks old and almost drove from Connecticut to Tennessee on Christmas morning because didn't want to lose her. Oh, my gosh. We kind of knew each other. So that's what she does. She'll pick up a squeaky toy, and she'll literally hound our little dog, Joey. Or if someone walks in the dog, she'll have to pick up a toy so she could communicate to the people that are coming by going, squeak, 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 squeak. <laughs> I love that. All right, Dr. Goldstein, when did your love of dogs begin? Uh, about two weeks before I was born. <laughs> best answer I've ever gotten. I love that. It's always there. And the only one that ever really called me Dr. Goldstein was my mother. So you can just call me Dr. Marty. So did you have dogs growing up? Absolutely. I remember them all. I mean, it's just, there's always been a love for it. Uh, And it's just, you know, my, my wife, Meg runs a shelter. She was my technician. She ran my clinic. My three daughters, you know, they're 
their life is just animals. They, they you know, two of them want to go into some kind of animal work, a veterinarian or a technician, or it, it's just our lives. We have, you know, nine chickens. We have a pony. We have his friend Harvey, who's a thoroughbred that stays with us. We have two cats. We have a long haired bunny. I mean, you know, the, the animal, the animal kingdom is a higher dynamic of the human race. You know, it's a dynamic yep. of unconditional love. And unfortunately, which I really make a big point in both my books, when I graduated Cornell Vet School 50 years ago, because last week was my 50-year reunion, the wow. incidence of cancer in dogs was about one out of 10, and it was always a disease of the old. And now, unfortunately, like I quoted in the book, Spirit of Animal Healing, on recent studies, the incidence of cancer in dogs in the United States is one out of every 1.61. So it's an insanity, and it's now a disease of the young, too. We will see dogs under a year of age with bad cancer. So, you know, the, one of the purposes of the books was a wake-up call because I know why it's happening, and I know how to combat it if it does happen without the, you know, the harsh use of chemotherapy and radiation. So there's a big mouthful for you. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I mean, I just dove into your book. I love your philosophy. And it was interesting because I was going to bring up that at the time that you graduated in 1973, veterinary medicine was very different. You had to discover on your own, looking at the pet in a holistic manner in terms of what are they eating and their activity and all the different things. How did you come to that? And and what was that like for you? Well, just to mention, you know, you, you read the sequel to this book, The Nature of Animal Healing. Yes. And I need to have you back because I want to read The Nature of Animal Healing. Yeah. The Nature of Animal Healing, we found out a month ago, was ranked by Book Authority as the best selling, the number one best selling veterinary medicine book of all time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. So it's good. But. You know, because, and it still sells like crazy because it was written to be timeless. The spirit of animal healing, which is the higher level, the spirit above nature, and it's hard to get above nature. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just the common sense aspect of what is the purpose of disease? You know, when I was at Cornell for nine years, we never got assigned a purpose of a fever or a discharge. Right. And, you know, nature heals the body. You know, if you cut yourself, you don't have to sign on to Google to get better. That is so true. Well, there's so many different parts of the book. One of the things that gets me most is the food. Talk to us about how you feel about what we should be feeding our dogs in particular. Well, see, I mean, that's the biggie. You know, the old adage or proverb is it all starts with food. How I got into this and why I picked up my first book was I share it in there. I was losing my own health genetically way back in the 60s. You know, all the males on my mother's side of the family that I took after, they had the same conditions. They are all long dead. Not only are they sick and degenerative, they're all dead. So out of vanity and fear, I was searching for answers that conventional medicine didn't have, injecting long-acting steroids into my shoulders for my bursitis and arthritis. And I stumbled upon real, you know, appropriate nutrition for the humans, especially Eastern philosophy, and when those conditions reversed, it was a no-brainer. Oh, we you know started to look at pet food. In those days, we were feeding, we were taught to feed, and the only thing we sold in our practice and fed our own 
uh, companion animals was the semi-moist foods. Gainsburg's top oh, choice. They're so bad. You know, you throw you throw a burger in a bowl and you go back four days later and you pick it up and it's still bright red. So, you know, when I looked at the label, I saw that it had everything, but it was missing one ingredient, food. <laughs> There's no food in there. It was all chemical carcinogen, stuff like that. So we put our companion, our family companion animals on home-cooked food and their conditions went away, especially their allergies and arthritis signs. And it was like, is it this easy? You know, you know, four years of veterinary school and I just reversed these chronic illnesses just with the food, but then condemnation, ridicule, threats to my license, just because I was sharing it. I was certified in acupuncture in 1975, and that's when I really got condemned. Now 68% of the vet schools embrace it. And in 1978, my license was verbally threatened for treating arthritic dogs with glucosamine sulfate because I wasn't using standardized medical care. Now they sell half a billion dollars a year of glucosamine sulfate. So it's just, you know, we just need a wake up call on, you know, natural healing techniques that go along with the immune system, not suppress the immune system. Yeah, absolutely. Now you talk about in the book, you talk about nutraceuticals and supplements. Are they the same thing? Yes. Nutraceuticals is the fancy schmancy, uh, you know, it's nutritional pharmaceutical. And, you know, I, I kind of like the term. I don't like the term holistic. Thank God. You know, when I, when I graduated Cornell, I don't think that word was in the dictionary and it, it's a little too airy fairy, but you know, sure. the truth is, we don't have conventional medicine over here and holistic medicine here. We have conventional and alternative therapies and the umbrella is holistic medicine. You know, it, it, it grew out of holistic into complementary medicine. Now we're in the age where we call it integrative medicine. I, you know, hung out with uh, Dr. Andrew Weil for a while and he said, we should be calling it one medicine. And my ultimate goal is we should be calling it good medicine. <laughs> yes, because it is good medicine. Good medicine, it's, it's, you know, it's the best, best of both worlds, right? And you do talk about in chapter six other remarkable therapies. You've got high dose vitamin C. You've got fecal transplants. You've got pulse electromagnetic field therapy. And what is you know when I heard the word fecal transplant, I'm like, I don't. What are the, how do they do that? What what does it evolve? I like I read it. I'm like, oh, okay. But can you tell us? For yeah, people I mean, don't it's know? Really, they do fecal transplants at Sloan Kettering now for humans. Oh, my you know, goodness. It, it is said that the intestine is the seat of the health and the hormonal system and the brain functions of the body. It actually goes beyond that because, you know, what, what happens in the intestine is the nutrition that gets absorbed to the body plus serotonin, you know, the happy hormone. It's all made in the intestine. But so it's the seat of health for the individual, but you know, our planet is really messed up oh, and yes. you know, people function so bizarrely when they are not feeling well, when they have chemicals floating in their system and it comes from the intestine. So the new real big buzzword is the microbiome. The, the, you know, the proper microbiome is the center of the planet. You know, it, it sounds crazy, but it, it is. So that's what we have to put our direction in. 
And how many billions of dollars of antibiotics are sold and used every year? And even though they do knock out the bacteria you want them to knock out, they're also knocking out the healthy bacteria that lead to proper digestion, the microbiome. So, you know, yeah. there is a huge shift. The microbiome is now getting accepted and being lectured about even at the vet schools because it's the truth. Yeah, it's about time. Now, I don't know if you know anything about my background, but I have a master's in public health. I've been in health media and television, radio and podcasts for 24 years. And I recently started dog eared because I'm a dog fanatic. Yay. So I've been talking about the human microbiome forever. And it's really great now to be talking about it. And I want you to come on Health Power because I've got a lot of bursitis and tendonitis and I need to know what you did. It was funny in in the first book, I shared the story about the first book in the second book where I went down to Jamaica because I wanted to write something different. And every time I thought of writing something, it was already written before. And I went out on a cliff, you know, with a dragon stout beer and kept that (laughs) in the head until the words came to me. And then all of a sudden, I picked up the pen and I wrote the 18 fundamentals of how the body heals. It was like, I I wasn't even thinking about what I was writing. It was like, if you ever saw the movie, the 10 commandments, like Moses writing the 10 commandments. It was like, (laughs) where is this coming from? And you know what? The book was done right there. And then, but I was commissioned by random house to write a minimum of 263 pages. So the rest of the book is explaining those 18 fundamentals. Well, share a couple of those with us. And if you read it, you know, one of the fundamentals is health is not about what you put into your body. It's what you allow your body to get rid of. Detoxification is the basis for reestablishment of health. And detoxification leads to what we call symptoms of disease. But we don't allow those symptoms to go through. We suppress them with drugs. We think fevers are bad. So we zap them with aspirins. We think inflammations are bad. So we su- su- you know, suppress them with immunosuppressive steroids, which blow out the immune system. Yes, they take the symptom away, but by burying it deeper into the body. Simple. Health is very simple. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about vaccinations because oh, so you talk I. about in the book and you write in chapter eight, Dr. Do No Harm. You say this was a difficult chapter for me to write. Can you expand on that, Dr. Mark? Well, it's difficult to write because the truth is being so attacked out there. Uh, I don't know if you've ever saw this. Oh, no, but I want to. The dog doc. Yeah, this is an amazing. This film was done by a dear friend of mine who was not a filmographer, but she took it up as a hobby. Her first film about the original horse whisperer, Buck Brannaman, called Buck, made the shortlist for the Academy Awards. (laughs) That's how good it was. So after Buck was done, she said, I'm I'm, I'm doing a documentary on you. She she came in for three years, probably the most stressful time of my life. And she made this amazing full-length feature film that was winning awards all over the United States at festivals, premiered in New York City, scheduled for three theaters in Hollywood, and the next day COVID shut the entire movie oh. industry down. And it, not, it, I would say it kind of get buried, but last month when we found out about the ranking of my first book, we found yeah. out that on Rotten Tomatoes, this is listed in the top 100 nature documentaries of all time, even though it never went out there. 
Oh my, I got to watch it and have them. What is her name? Her name is it's Cedar Creek Productions. Her name is Cindy Meal. Her story is in the book that you read. Yes. Now, let's talk a little bit about vaccinations because you say, quote, I believe the number one way that veterinarians can routinely harm animal companions is with vaccinations. Yeah. So, and the reason I picked this up is we were afraid to put anything in here because they would cut the film from festivals, but we very responsibly put a section on vaccines in there and I'm getting the thumbs up from conventional veterinarians all over. So here's the scoop. We've been taught you know, up to several years ago that dogs and cats need their puppy or kittenhood vaccines every single year. When was your last polio shot? And there's so much documentation in the veterinary literature that the minimum duration of protection from standardized vaccination, including rabies, is seven to 15 years. And studies show that. The same dose for the Chihuahua is given to the Great Dane. And that dose, according to USDA studies, could be up to 10 times what the Great Dane needs. And what we do is we vaccinate animals not based on their immunological needs, but based on a calendar. And unfortunately, the list of documented adverse side effects to vaccines, studies out of Purdue, studies out of Colorado State, almost every disease that you could think of is associated. Just one example, I talk about it in the book. In the human field, they found out It was called the allergic breakthrough phenomena, where the components of the vaccine instigate the body to attack its own cells in an allergy and autoimmune fashion. And that has transformed over to veterinary medicine. So, you know, 85% of, of all the animals that I've seen in my practice had some form of allergy. And it's instigated not only by vaccines, but unnecessary repetitive vaccines over and over again, We have the ability, it's called a titer test, to test if a dog or a cat has immunity against the disease we're vaccinated for. So if we scientifically take a test and it shows that your dog is immune to distemper and problem, don't vaccinate. It's just common sense and it's proper science. So I am trying to get proper science instigated into the profession that is just blindly turning their backs to it and it's hurting animals. It's, I think the main reason, along with the, the improper pet food industry, that we, I witnessed the incident of cancer in dogs at least triple, maybe quadruple since I graduated Cornell. Yeah, do you feel like the paradigm shifting a bit on this? Oh, is it ever, because I was up at my 50 year reunion last week And they hooked me up with the chairperson for the Department of Clinical Sciences. I gave him a 90-minute presentation, and he got it. He said, Uh, we're not doing this here. I showed him case after case after case of dogs that were given weeks to live for terminal cancer, not responsive. And I showed them four and a half to nine and a half years later, normal, fully documented. And it blew his mind. And so they're not listening to me. They never did. But now they're listening to science and they're listening to the documented cases we've done. Here it is. Now, if your dog has cancer, what would you advise? First steps. The first step is do not treat with Dr. Google. Because I've seen thousands. Even though Dr. Google is a wealth of knowledge, I've had 
with my associates, many cancer patients come non-responsive and they walk in with a box of 21 different supplements that they read online. I always recommend to anyone out there, not only with a cancer patient, but if they're really interested in proper integrative veterinary medicine, they should consult with an integratively trained veterinarian. If, if their veterinarian of many years is not listening to what they're saying and what they're becoming educated in, then it's time for them to find a new veterinarian. And the site, AHVMA, American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association.org, has a listing of all the integrated veterinarians in North America, where they live, where they practice, and their modalities. That's what you do. Oh, that's great. I'll put that in the show notes. You know, the name of the book, The Spirit of Animal Healing, I really, I'm going to read just a couple quotes. I think this is great. You write, love is a spiritual fire that we all share and that we give abundantly and freely to one another. I believe the power of love allows us to transcend our usual earthly tethers and connections and to commune with one another on a spiritual level. How are dogs involved in this? And cats, of course, and other animals, but since it's a dog show. When I start all my lectures, this is how I start to talk about the spiritual connection and what I told you about before, that they represent to us the condition, unconditional love. So I usually start my lectures out is like, I, I want to give you an example. What I want you to do tonight or tomorrow when you go home is I want you to lock your dog in a closet for about eight hours. And people go, what is this guy talking about? And then open the door and watch how your dog almost emphatically will come bounding out, wagging its tail, so happy to see you. Then the next day, I want you to go home and lock your wife in the closet (laughs) or your husband in the closet. And they're not going to come out bounding out, happy to see you. So they are the baggage-free aspect. Plus, it's so proven that they can tell if you're going to have an epileptic seizure up to 24 hours before they're, they're detecting bladder cancer, lymph cancer. When a tsunami comes a day before they're gone. So they oh, yeah. do have perceptions. The human race is limited to five perceptions, taste, smell, taste, you know, all that junk. Right. <laughs> there are over 50 perceptions in the physical universe. And it is obviously that dogs, Cats, companion animals, wild animals have perceptions that we don't. If I were to take an infrared picture of you and your dog, I would not see two physical bodies. I'd see two overlapping energy fields in the infrared spectrum. We can't see that. We can't see radio waves or gamma rays, but they're all hitting our bodies. They're hitting our dog bodies. They're getting emanated from your body and from your dog's body. And there's an interaction at the level of health and at the level of disease. So, you know, that's the more spiritual aspect. You know, the first book was called The Nature of Animal Healing. Nature had two meanings. The nature in which the body heals, you know, how it is a cut heal. And nature is the healer. And spirit of animal healing, it was in the spirit of healing. You know, we talk about hope preceding uh, healing, but also at healing at the level of the spirit, mind over matter. It is amazing. I gave examples of, you know, people that came to me so despondent, knowing their dog was going to die because they were told by three other veterinarians. They didn't know why they were there. And... I would start out by taking blood samples and this and that. When they lived locally, 
I would have the opportunity to tailor make a program the next day when the blood yeah. results came in. And all I would do for the first half hour was show them before and after pictures of terminally ill yeah. animals that got better. They would leave there happier and they would call next day for the blood results and they go, how's she doing? You know, she's better already. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Once you have had a wonderful dog, a life without one is a life diminished. That's a quote by author Dean Coots, and I couldn't agree more. I want my wonderful dogs to live as long as possible, and what they eat plays a huge role in their health and longevity. Kibble is full of seed oils that wreak havoc on our dog's health. They damage their microbiome, which affects digestion, oral health, their skin and coat, and more. And that's why I feed my dog, Benji, Yumwoof. Their air-dried food is GMO-free and has an inflammation-reducing recipe with omega-3 and coconut oil. It's all the benefits of fresh food without the fridge, carbs, fillers, seed oils, and other inflammatory ingredients you see in other brands. Yum Woof obsessively crafted a healthy, low-carb food with humanely raised USDA meat, eggs, and other non-GMO superfoods that my dog loves. Try the number one air-dried dog food for gut health for 50% off a trial of Yum Woof. That's 50% off a trial of Yum Woof. Go to www.yumwoof.com. That's www.yumwoof.com. You and your dog will be so glad you did. Does your family include a dog or a cat? Would you like to be better educated on how to advocate for their health naturally? Then why not check out all of the amazing resources on naturallyhealthypets.com? Dr. Judy Morgan is a trusted advisor and a regular guest here on the Dog Eared Podcast. She has over 38 years experience as an integrative veterinarian, acupuncturist, chiropractor, food therapist, author, speaker, podcast host, and owner of Dr. Judy Morgan's Naturally Healthy Pets. Dr. Judy's goal is to change the lives of pets by educating and empowering pet parents just like you in the use of natural healing therapies and minimizing the use of chemicals, vaccinations, and poor quality processed food. Head on over to naturallyhealthypets.com where you'll discover healthy product recommendations, comprehensive courses, the Naturally Healthy Pets podcast, informative blogs, upcoming events, and so much more. Again, that's naturallyhealthypets.com, the place to learn how to give your pet the vibrant life that they deserve. Well, everyone who listens to the show knows that I'm a pit bull fanatic. My pity blue is like Love my heart and soul. And you talk, I know they're so sweet. Love. And you talk about Elsa in the book. Tell us about Elsa. <laughs> I just got an email from Elsa's dad. Really? Yeah, Elsa oh. is, you know, with my associates, no exaggeration, I've treated almost a quarter of a million cases in my 50 year career. Oh, I was a workaholic, worked 15 hours a day. Animals were coming in from all over the United States every single day. Elsa is my best case of all time. Oh. Steve, Elsa's dad and his wife saw Elsa tied to a tree in Brooklyn. Steve did not like dogs. Steve's wife said, we have to take her home. They got divorced. Steve kept Elsa. 
and it became his life. Elsa goes into the Long Island Veterinary Specialty Hospital and has the same cancer that killed the actor Sammy Davis Jr. Lymphatic cancer of the tonsil that spread to the lymph node. They take the tonsil out, they take the lymph node out, they biopsy both of them, they get the results, squamous cell carcinoma. They say they're a specialty facility. This is out of our hands, refers uh, Steve, to the number one oncologist in the United States that the drug companies hire to create chemotherapeutics at the largest hospital in the United States, the Animal Medical Center. And he says, unfortunately, probably six weeks to live, maybe with chemotherapy, three to five months if we're lucky. Steve comes up to me and for the thirst, and when I lecture, I had this all in slide presentation and video of Steve talking about this. Steve comes up to me and for the thir- 35 minutes, I'm talking to a wall. He didn't look up once. I'm showing him before and after pictures and he's looking down. And I finally just, it was like, I was such a waste of my time because I was backed up three or four weeks and I go, you are a waste of life. <laughs> and he looked up, he goes, what do you mean? I said, what are you doing here? And he goes, I know my dog is going to die. Uh, and my girlfriend found you online. And if I didn't come, she would kill me. So that's the only reason I'm here is my girlfriend would kill me if I didn't come. So I said, well, you are a definite waste of life. <laughs> so I, I went into him so much that all of a sudden tears came down his eyes. And he walked around the table and hugged me and said, those are the words I needed to hear. So I said, well, you just wasted 35 minutes of an hour. Console. You want to work on Elsa? He goes, let's go for it. So I start Elsa on eight supplements. He becomes a monster and he does research and he adds in another 20 something supplements. Hires two chefs, is importing raw organic salmon from Norway, organic filet mignon and blah, blah, blah. Elsa's doing great. Three months later, Elsa grows cancer back in the tonsil. I photograph it. I biopsy it. I freeze it with cryosurgery, which is our number one therapy no one veterinarian is doing. It comes back as squamous cells. So now we have triple confirmation. Then all of a sudden, at the six and a half month point, Elsa grows cancer back in the tonsil, crypt again. Ah. The same thing. Now we have quadruple confirmation. Keep up the program. Uh, Elsa's catching fish off the shores of Long Beach, Long Island. Steve airs a video online of Elsa stalking a six and a half foot shark, diving into the water and hitting the shark over the head. And the shark takes off. Elsa lives nine and a half years. Oh, I was so happy when I read that. So when I present this case that is documented beyond anything you can imagine. You know, I, I presented it about eight years ago at, at Louisiana State Vet School. I was invited down there. And I saw that the the, the lady veterinarians in the audience that attended, they would, they had tears coming down their eyes. Because oh, yeah. They want this so much. You know, so no one can refute this case. It's quadruply confirmed. And then I'll present another 15 more like that. It's called healing. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> now, in crossing over the final frontier, 
This was so interesting. You write, I believe it might be better if you decide not to be in the room with your animal companion when he or she is euthanized. I received some vocal criticism from readers when I said this in my first book. In nature, when animals are going to die, they know it's time. When it's time, they go off and do it on their own. It's our baggage that makes us feel like we have to be there with them. That blew me away because I, I didn't have judgment about it. I just thought, Oh my God, I never thought about that. Yeah. But yeah, they kind of go off on their own. But then there's so much guilt that we have that you it's have to be baggage. there. So yeah, talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's just, it's our baggage. You know, what, how much is the funeral industry worth on this planet? And you're going to flip out when you read that section in the first book and the examples I gave. But, you know, I did that with people and the way I learned it is I had a, a white, beautiful cat that was euthanized when I was a student at Cornell. The cat's name was Vic because she had, you know, feline leukemia. And when I, every, every time I thought about that cat, the only thing I could think about was her being euthanized. And I've had people over the years, well, oh no, I have to be there. What are you kidding me? She needs me there and this and that. And they would be so heartbroken over that incident, which is a very painless incident. When done right, it's great. And then the next time, after they would read my book and they would understand and talk to me, they would say their goodbyes at home and have a relative or a neighbor bring the, the pet in. And when they think back, they remember the pet in life. They don't remember the pet being euthanized, even though it, it, it's a beautiful kind of thing. So either way works, but so many people have thanked me tremendously when they did it both ways. And they come back and they said, yes, it was so much cleaner the first way. And remember in nature, when, an, when it's, it's that animal's time, they don't go to their family. They go off and do it. It's a solitary kind of thing. So, you know, both ways are fine. It's just, you know, I wanted, you know, I wanted to get the obligation of the human race thinking, oh, I must be there. Oh, she needs to see me when she crosses over. No, she's crossing over. You're not. You're stuck. She's not. <laughs> Yeah, this one, you know, I, I still, it's funny because even reading this and knowing how much you know, I'm still like, how can I not be there when my beloved Blue someday? Like, how, don't I have to stroke his head and look deep in his eyes or something? Or is he going to think I abandoned him? But you're saying no. I know you're like, I just said this, Lisa, but I just want to reiterate because I bet there's listeners yeah. going, but I don't know how not to go. Yeah, you have to be there. But does she, yes. yeah, does she or he really feel obligated that you're there? They yeah. Know. I mean, they just know. I've seen, and I've had this shared many times, where an animal is getting ready to pass and the other companion animals in the house leave the room. I've seen that. I've had it videoed and presented to me. They have the sense, because they can sense the extra physical plane that we can't. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. That's going to, that gives me a lot to think about. They're both fine. 
I just wanted to give you the uh, the opportunity of a choice. No, I'm just I'm so glad you put that in the book because I haven't read that anywhere else, and it just seems like that's just what you do. You go right, right? or there's people now who have it done in their homes. Yeah, which I think is a great thing too. So you think if you're gonna choose to be there, then do it at home. You have a mobile vet come in as well seasoned and how to do this. That's a, it's a good thing. Remember the, the the main focal point here always is the being that's passing over, not you. Who cares about you? You know, and your baggage and how you'll cry for the next fourteen weeks. But oh yeah, feel bad about that being. But like I said before, it's that being that's dropping the the almost the entrapment of the physical body that gets diseased and suffering. So, you know, the the most safest one in that room spiritually is that being, not you. <laughs> you will continue to suffer. That being won't. That is very good to know. I want to go back into chapter two, the new perspective on how the mind and body heal. You asked some great questions like what enables the mind and body to heal? What is the remarkable power within us on our animal companion that shakes off serious injuries, illness and diseases and return us to normal? And what is the role of doctors, veterinarians and other health practitioners in this process? Are they guides to healing or obstacles? So those are a lot of questions you asked, but if you can touch on that a little bit. Well, like I always say, I am really blown away by how technologically advanced veterinary medicine has become. The CAT scans, the dye scans, where you can see a tumor that big inside the spinal cord, where we know physiologically and biochemically every step along a certain metabolic pathway you know, the name of each chemical along this. It's mind-blowing how we figure that out. But guess what? Oh, yeah. Nature created it. We didn't. We can't build a body that can heal a cut. Nature did. So in my book, in that book, in the fundamentals, I said, my definition of science in the field of medicine is man trying to figure out what nature created, period. So, like we said before, nature creates a symptom. And, you know, itis. Itis is Latin for inflammation. Notice how many diseases end in itis. Conjunctivitis, enteritis, dermatitis, whatever itis. And nature creates inflammation in an attempt to heal the body. What do we do? We suppress inflammation with immunosuppressive drugs. So that's one of the reasons I've witnessed cancer triple, quadruple so much is because we're suppressing the immune system, thinking nature is wrong by creating a fever. So, you know, a lot of times maybe we are getting in the way. Maybe the drug industry is getting in the way and the doctor is, you know, and I learned how to do it. In book one, I wrote maybe the best chapter I've ever written in my life is in book one called The Healing Crisis. And it's an entire chapter on how nature heals the body and how to use the symptoms nature is creating instead of suppressing them. I quote Dr. George Zabrecki in my book, what I learned from this man who was a chiropractor, then became an MD in two years, mostly 
to protect his license. The guy was the most brilliant man I've ever, ever experienced. I've known him almost 50 years. He taught me intravenous vitamin C. I, I did intravenous vitamin C on over 40,000 animals. You know, I get it done to myself. It's amazing how good you feel. But I'm talking about high levels of vitamin C, 40, 50, 60 grams a day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah you got to come on health power. Cause I mean, I just, I'm yeah. sure you're super busy, but this is just amazing. Okay. I'm definitely have to read the nature of animals. Yeah, read that. I'll come on. This is my life right now. You know, like I said, when I was in practice, I was working literally 12 to 15 hours a day, seven days a week. Cancer doesn't know weekends, you know, and I had five, 10 cancer patients at any given time. And maybe if I was lucky, I would get to seven, eight animals a day. Now I'm literally getting to thousands of animals a month. The biggest joy in my life right now over everything else is the testimonials that I get coming in every single day, thanking me for turning around the health state of their animal while I'm mowing my lawn or while oh my I'm creating gosh. a new product or while I'm writing another chapter for my new book or something like that. It's the greatest feeling in the world. So it, it's good that I escaped clinical practice, but still serve as a consultant for the veterinarians. You know, I, I weaseled my way into Cornell University last week. I mean, that's when, it, it's good to really get to society, but if and when, and I do get to the profession, then I could easily go to my grave with a big smile saying, I did it. You're amazing. Dr. Marty, tell us all the ways we can find your books and your fantastic supplements and food. And Well, the books, you know, Amazon, Dr. Marty Pets. You know, we have a blog. We're putting in so much information up there. Uh, we're writing four to six kind of email newsletters a week. You know, this is my life. This is what I'm doing. So, and dogdocthefilm.com. It's a must to watch this film. It is a trip, what my friend created. And if you do like animals, make sure there's a box of tissues. Now, it's not one of those tear jerks in a negative way. It's, right. it's really in, in a good way. And it's just the truth. So, so there. Oh, I can't wait. Yes, and I'm hoping to have her. Well, I can't wait to have you back. Everybody keep coming back to Dog Eared. And while you're here, be sure to check out Health Power. All right. Thanks again, Dr. Marty. This was awesome. A pleasure. Anytime.